Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey, Difference Maker. We've been talking about the things you need to know about your client's personality in order to connect with them better. Now, in the last episode, I gave some extra context before I actually got into talking about the Enneagram Type 1 profile. So be sure to listen to that one. Even if you're not a Type 1, you might have a client that's a Type 1 or a pseudo Type 1. Go back and listen to that one first if you haven't. And today I'm going to be talking about the Enneagram Type 2, the nature, the nurture, and their acknowledgement languages. If this is the first time you've heard about the nine acknowledgement languages of the Enneagram types, I encourage you to check out my book, go to powercoachgen.com and click on the link. Now, if you have a client that you think might be an Enneagram Type 2, or you would like to attract Type 2s in your marketing, then this episode is for you. Let's go ahead and get started. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, creatives, and educators like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make, and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so let's get down to business. I'm going to get on my soapbox again for just a brief moment. Remember that just because your client is behaving like a type 2 does not mean they are a type 2. Go back and listen to the last episode, that's episode 13, and that's going to give you a little more context about why this is so important and you need to be aware of it. Did you know that as a service-based provider, 
that your job is to ask questions. The better you become at this one skill, the more effective you're going to be at doing your job because you're going to understand your client. You're going to understand what they need, what they want, and even how to regulate your expectations. You don't have to have the goal of being a certified coach in order to benefit from solid coaching skills. This is my very most favorite way to use the Enneagram, not just to connect with your ideal customers through your discovery calls. Even marketing is coaching skills. If you want to be able to help your customers, your clients, your students, whomever, you must learn to ask questions and not just any questions, questions that make them feel heard and seen and known. And most importantly, to avoid the questions that will shut them down. Understanding personality psychology is what helps you do this effectively. If you don't know for sure which type your client is, I have a whole list of questions to get you started that's going to help you build rapport and not accidentally repel your potential clients. Stay tuned for more information about that. Now, let's talk about the Enneagram Type 2. Now, remember, Enneagram types are based off of motivations. And so just like I did for the Type 1, I'm going to break that down into two categories, the surface motivations and the core motivations. Now, the surface motivations of the Type 2 is to be known as being the helpful one, of being reliable and available to serve. They're driven to nurture others and take care of others and make sure that other people feel cared for and loved. They strive to be that go-to person to the one that brings the sunshine or brings the aid for anybody that's in need. And this is why they have earned that label of the helper. But remember that these are just surface motivations and why you can't use labels to type other people. Because any type can be motivated to be helpful. The difference is in the filter of what each type believes is actually helpful. And that is the picture that the nine acknowledgement languages paints for us to be able to make these distinctions between these nuances that sometimes can be hard to detect when you're just looking at surface behaviors and surface motivations. For example, for me as a type seven, I believe that showing others the big picture is helpful, that making logical connections through stories and analogies, that that is what's helpful. But for, say, a type three or even a type six, what's helpful to them is whatever is saving me time. So either just just do it or get off the pot. <laughs> Whereas the type nine, the type nine believes that saving other people the hassle. So not necessarily saving time, but saving the hassle. That is helpful. And so type nines will actually do a lot for other people. But for the type two, they're driven by making other people feel better. It's a much more emotionally intelligent kind of help. But again, this is still a surface motivation because you do not have to be a type two to have emotional intelligence. And if you are emotionally intelligent or even an empath, that doesn't automatically make you a type two either. Now let's look at the core motivations of the two. 
when you're looking at the core motivations, you've got to take this emotional intelligence and then tie it into their overarching desire to feel appreciated and to appear like they are selfless. They don't want they don't want other people to see them as selfish or see them as needy. That is a core fear of a type two. Now, when you take the combination of these surface motivations and these core motivations, that's what leads them to the typical type two behaviors of overextending themselves and burning out, of inserting themselves and being a martyr and crossing boundaries because they care so much about how people feel and they feel like it's their job to do that, like they're everybody's mom. And if the type two is feeling unappreciated, a lot of times the tactic that they'll use to control a situation is persuasion or flattery. And sometimes this can feel manipulative, but that is not the intention of the type two. It is just a natural hardwiring default knee-jerk response to their circumstances. This is what the nine acknowledgement languages helps you recognize for each of the types. And it guides you on what questions you should ask if your client is a type two. When you know the type two's acknowledgement languages, it helps them feel validated. It helps empower them to know what is the best or the healthiest or the most mature move that I can make right now. So you as their coach or their mentor, you need to give them that safe place for them to be number one, recognized for their efforts. And number two, help them reframe what selfish actually is, what that looks like as opposed to loving, selfish versus loving in the eyes of other people's perspectives because that gets twisted in their minds a little bit. Now, some other general traits of the type two is they're, they're cheerful, they're positive, they're ambitious, um, they're, they're proud, but they're also vulnerable, which is a very unique combination, I think. And in relationships, they are really concerned with hurting other people's feelings and also by not being available for other people when, when they need their help or when they need help. They just assume they need their help. <laughs> so now let's talk about the nurtured type two. This is when your client behaves like a type two, but they are not actually a type two. I'm going to go through the same list that I went through for the type one. So first, if the client's true type is connected to a type two on the Enneagram symbol, then they're naturally going to resonate with some of the behaviors that are associated with a type two, like the wings, like a one wing two or a three wing two. So a one wing two is going to have that, that thoughtfulness and the kindness of a type two, but that's because that's what makes a good person. That's what makes them an upright person, which is the type one's motivation. Now for a three wing two, they're going to have that thoughtfulness and kindness because they believe that makes them the best. That makes them a winner. That's the picture of success that they have. They're the hostess with the mostess. And it's more of an indirect authority uh, for a, a three wing two. Like they like to name drop to insinuate achievement um, without making other people feel bad about being losers. <laughs> a type four that might be disintegrating into a type two, so in a stressful moment, might try to pursue people as projects so that they could um, 
so they can help someone by rescuing them. The type fours tend to be drawn to underdogs or or um, hopeless cases, hopeless situations, and really try to insert themselves to improve those situations. Or a type eight that is integrating to a type two might recognize that to protect their relationships means they've got to let go of the reins a little bit, not on the people, but on their own emotions and feel some feels. And as far as mistyping goes, type sixes and type nines are often mistyped as type two. All three of them are compelled to overextend themselves because they're putting other people's needs above their own. Now, type sixes are more likely to practice self-care than type twos simply because of the, the sheer logic of it. Like it just makes logical sense to take care of yourself. Whereas the type two is going to struggle with self-care a little bit more. They're, they they might say, I can't take a break. Who would take care of, care of the kids? My, my husband would starve. <laughs> the, the office wouldn't survive without me if I took a vacation. Whereas the type sixes might think these things, but they would be prompted to, you know, create a book of um, procedures to leave with someone in charge or do everything ahead of time so they can, they can take a vacation. And then type nines are just more go with the flow kind of people. Like if a, if a self-care opportunity arises, they'll take it. But in general, they're usually not aware of when they need to take a break. So if they're not going along with someone else, they may not be practicing self-care either. Now, some other influences into pseudo type twos or nurtured type twos are their style, their habits, trauma responses, or health conditions. And some examples of this are like if, if you were influenced by someone uh, with similar behaviors, like maybe your mom is a type two or your favorite teacher is a type two and you, and you want to emulate them and you want to be like them, or it's just, it's just all, you know, and so it, it becomes the, the default behavior of how you do things. Or if you had a trauma response because someone at some point told you that you're mean or that, that you did something unkind or you did something very selfish. If you were constantly told how selfish you were and then you find yourself kind of proving to that person that you're not selfish, then you can take on this nurtured type two mask because now you're overcompensating for that kind of trauma. Or maybe it's a personality disorder like borderline personality or, or any kind of health condition that might lead to histrionics. Now, this is more of the unhealthy moment behaviors of a, of a true type two, but a, a true type two would not need a medical diagnosis to behave in such a way. This is just how they appear because of chronic stress. So a true type two would only need chronic stress to behave in these ways that other types would need a medical diagnosis to also be characterized in that way. Now, the difference, of course, is in the core motivations and the default stress patterns. It's important to know where your client is as far as are they a natural type two or are they a nurtured type two? Because the growth path of a natural type two is different than the other eight types that are just behaving like a type two because of how they have been nurtured. They have different core motivations and they have different behavioral patterns. Now, when it comes to messaging in your business, if you know you want to work with type twos, then you can tweak your copy 
in a way that uses this language to attract your ideal client, like how to ask for what you want without feeling guilty. <laughs> and I remember there's this book that we, we studied at church one time. It's called um, When Helping Hurts. I can imagine that that book is written for type twos, whether they are natural type twos or nurtured type twos. If you have any questions about this or want specific examples of how to use this in your own business, go join us in the Unbox Your Personality Facebook group and post your question there. The link is in the show notes. So in this episode, we've been talking about the type two and the acknowledgement languages for the type two will guide you as their coach to really understand what it is that gets their attention, what makes them feel like you get them, that you understand them and are really recognizing where they usually get stuck and what those limiting beliefs are that get them stuck, how they will handle them by default, which is actually what's making them stuck <laughs> and stunting their progress. Because by default, all of us are stuck inside of our box. The Enneagram and personality test, all those things don't actually put you in a box. They show you the box that you're already in. And if you don't know that you are in a box, you literally can't see the solutions because the box is in the way. So your job is to show your clients how to get out of that box, to empower them and encourage them to climb that ladder, to take that burden of that fear of seeming selfish or seeming needy, the, those things that are creating stress for the type two, even a pseudo type two. And chronic stress is what keeps us unhealthy, which keeps us in those boxes. And it doesn't matter if you're a type two or not, chronic stress is no bueno. When you help your clients alleviate that stress, simply by validating them, simply by acknowledging what's going on in their heads, but they don't even know yet how to put words to them. That is what makes them feel like they are unboxing themselves and then they can unleash their power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.